Hello, everyone. Welcome to Radio Book Club, first Monday of the month at 5 p.m. I'm Sherry Zollinger, one of your hosts, and joining me this evening, of course, is our wonderful Jesse from the Grand County Library. Hello, Jesse. Good evening, everyone. And of course, we have Andy here from Back of Beyond Books. Hey, Andy. It feels like afternoon. It's so light out there still. I know. It's quite wonderful. Yes. It's amazing. Hello. We are loving the light. And there's a lot of dust out there, too, wow, <laughs> right now. <yeah. laughs> it's, it's rolling around as well, but that's expected. Spring dust, I guess you might call it. A little bit kicked up over the week with a few uh, vehicles out there. Yes, there's a few going on out there. Of course, we are Radio Book Club on KZMU, a.k.a. Hardback Radio. And I wanted to just give a little plug. It looks like there's going to be a radiothon starting April 16th through the 24th. And we have a special little sticker that we uh, had uh, Carissa Dedecker actually uh, take care of and design for us. And and we're kind of excited about it, and it's going to be part of the uh, Radiothon swag. We, we are excited about that st sticker, huh, folks? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a stunning design. It is indeed. Yeah. And we called it, uh, it's a hardback radio sticker. So those will be available during the Radiothon. So uh, put that in mind, especially if this is one of your favorite shows, which we hope it is. And of course, we can. you can find these book lists. We know that we go through a lot of books during this hour, and it can be a little confusing. And you know, we know you have your pen and pencil and, pu and papers sitting handy, but we also can help you find this list of books on the two-week archive is immediately available, kzmu.org. Just go to the program tab and then click on the program schedule and you'll find it there. It's in a forever archive available on Friday afternoon on again on kzmu.org and then go to news and public affairs tab and then click on radio book club. And of course we're excited because it's out there in podcastville and that is uh, just search Apple Podcasts or Spotify and look for public affairs on kzmu and subscribe. So we're excited to have that um, out there in the the realm of not just local radio, but for those that want to listen far afield. So the first things that we tend to like to talk about are uh, just the news, news from the library, news from the bookstore. Let's start with Andy. Andy, what is the news from Back of Beyond? The news, the big news from my perspective, is that our entire staff has received at least their first vaccination, and we expect everyone on the staff to be fully vaccinated within three more weeks, which means that we can look at uh, lifting some limitations, perhaps, within the comfort zone of the staff and once we can lift some limitations to the number of people coming into the store, we can consider maybe having an in-store event gasp. <laughs> it's been over a year since Pam Houston was in yes. the store. And it would be wonderful to see some of our favorite authors and customers gathering as opposed to 
handing books out the door to their I wonder. Car. I wonder if we could invite Pam back as a Ooh. Pam Houston bookend. <laughs> a re- a reunion, it. yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, she does. She has a new book out subsequent uh, to the reading she did. Yes. So, you know, in terms of events, we have been mostly on on hold. I know you've been working on a couple of uh, virtual events. And we won't be solidifying that yet. We haven't solidified that yet, but that will stay tuned next month. We'll have a couple events, I think, virtual events of note. And then I guess the other uh, item of note is we've hired a brand new staff person, Sam Van Wetter. And Sam brings a pretty fun energy into the store as our new sidelines buyer. And we've been seeing all sorts of interesting items hitting the floor including a, a whole new line of chocolate, which is just <laughs> yummy. Yeah, Sherry and I were just talking about that before you came in, Andy. I was in the store just today and was admiring a lot of the new yep. the new things coming in. Got to stock up on some really fun new cards I saw. Yes. And I'm excited to try that new chocolate. It's <laughs> always, always welcome. Because what's better... As you read a book, then having a, a little bar of chocolate. The on only your thing bed. better is a cup of coffee. Oh, I was going to say a glass of red wine. <laughs> so, oh, yes. That's, well, those are the drinks. All three. Yeah. All right. <laughs> At <laughs> once. <laughs> <laughs> and Sam, even though he's got this exquisite eye and he's buying sidelines, he's also a, cor- a cornucopia of knowledge uh, as far as books are concerned, too. So he's definitely. What would you call him? A res- renaissance uh, person. Going to get really gender neutral here. <laughs> a renaissance person. He's, he's mm-hmm. definitely a jack of all trades. So come in and say hi to Sam. Jesse, what is going on at the library? Wow. Well, the <laughs> staff at the library is, um, I'd say we're about two-thirds vaccinated. I got my second dose last week. I'm so, so, so pleased had to travel a ways to get that, but some really gracious and generous folks were giving them to anybody. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, we're looking at uh, expanding services soon. It looks like we'll be able to at least begin, we're gonna sort of do things in stages. We're gonna begin by opening the public restrooms in the library, that's a really <laughs> big deal. That is a People big deal. People have had to hoof it all the way down to the information center. Uh, up till now. We so tell people a, all the time. Yeah, <laughs> Head on do. down. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure the info center will appreciate this too. Um, and then we're looking at uh, being able to expand our hours and invite more than five people at a time into the library at once. Um, currently, as far as programming goes, ongoing is Moab's pandemic scrapbook. I've told folks about this last month. I'd like to bring it up again. Community members of all ages are invited to share pictures or writings or drawings or poems or artwork that show how 2020 was different for you. We're assembling these together in a digital scrapbook. We'll have something to post online uh, May 1st. I'll advertise that far and wide with the links when it's ready. This is sort of going to serve as a uh, community time capsule of Moab's past year. Everybody who contributes will be entered into a prize drawing for a deluxe journaling kit and a bookstore gift certificate. There's going to be one winner per age group. So there's one for children, teens, and adults. And I would really encourage um, children and teens. I haven't heard from very many of them. Mm. And I really want to get as many perspectives as possible in this little document or this this, uh, little little scrapbook. Um, 
if you're recording history, it's just so important to get a wide variety of voices. And these little, these little uh, journaling kits and art supplies that we've put together are top-notch, really deluxe. This is not your janky <laughs> sort of Walker Drug School supplies. Nothing. Oh, no right. shade, no shade. No <laughs> shade there. These are, these are really primo little kits. Nice. And everybody that enters, um, gets to get, that submits, will be entered in the drawing for one of these. We decided to extend the deadline clear up till April 28th. So we're accepting submissions. You can email your submissions to jesse at moablibrary.org. If you want more information um, or some good prompts for ideas of what to submit, visit moablibrary.org. Look for the events tab. And then on that tab, there you'll find a tab for the pandemic scrapbook. Um, I know a lot of kids out there had weird years. Schools closed. They got their lunch delivered by school buses. They had birthday parties that um you know with with the police and fire departments doing drive-by birthday parties they had you know kids experienced quite a different year it'd be really interesting to see if any kids wanted to draw any pictures of what their year was like or just part you know part of what their year was like i'd love to solicit more of that that was i was gonna say that was definitely my question like what would say a 12 year old what would be kind of an immediate, would they, would you want a little story from them? Would you just want a little paragraph and then send it off? Absolutely. Anything. Or a picture. Did you play video games all summer? Right. Did you play outside more this summer? Did right. you go hiking Anything. more? Anything at all. Just cool. curious what your perspective is. And I don't care if it's horrible. If you had a really rotten summer, really tell rotten them. year, tell us about <laughs> it. This is, this is um, supposed to record how it really is. And and it's been really difficult for some of us, um, for mm. all of us at times, no doubt. So, again, Moab's uh, Pandemic Scrapbook. Please um, check our website, our events tab, for more information about that. And email your submissions to jesse at moablibrary.org. Get entered in a drawing for a really cool prize. Um, and really wanted to reach out to the kids and teens um, Excellent. to submit. And that Love is it. Love it. Well, um, at this point, I think I might actually next time bring a xylophone because oh. I <laughs> because I was thinking that this is a new little hot. I'm, I put you both in the hot seat now, and this has kind of become a tradition. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I'm going to be doing it every time. Maybe have a little xylophone. Dun, dun, dun. And or like this you're is, done talking. Yes, Chime. this is this is Jesse and Andy put in the hot seat. And what are we doing this time? Well, this week I watched episodes of Jeopardy, <laughs> <laughs> and it's hot right now for some reason. And it was kind of like I couldn't believe some of the Jeopardy. You know, some of these folks are on there in these like winning streaks. The the most. Um, that someone has won consecutively is 74 times. Wow. That is a In lot a of trivia. Well, of course, one of the uh, trivia categories was best or name this first line from a book. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Ooh, fun. And so I know Andy does not like this. He <laughs> wants to be prepared. He wants to have all the information. Yeah. But I've actually, I've actually done a pretty good job of picking a couple of these. So... What do you think? You want to play with me? Sure, I'll try. Jesse will join in. <laughs> he'll probably be disappointed, but I'll try. <laughs> okay. Oh, Ishmael. So I will start. I will start with a very easy one. Oh, I, yeah. Now she 
going to make us look even worse. Yeah, well, okay. <laughs> okay, number one. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Well, it must be a Jane Austen novel. Yes. Well, Which okay, one? I got that. <laughs> Which one, my friends? Which Pride one? Pride and Prejudice. Yes. Oh. Ah, well, <laughs> da, 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 da. Where's your xylophone? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. That's why I need that. Okay, so I think this one might be easy, too. This is the most beautiful place on earth. <laughs> Think the of the prophet of this particular desert. Well, I was going to say there's an Edward Abbey yes. quote. There's an Ed I wouldn't know that that was is that the, the yes. beginning of desert. Yes. Solitary. Good job. Well, there's an Edward Abbey quote that I love and I don't know what book it is from, but I he says I am in the most beautiful place on earth, period. Mm -hmm. There are many such places, period. Yeah. And I think that is so yes. profound. Yes. Okay. Good what job. Book, what book? You're now one and Desert, one. Was that Desert, Desert Solitaire. Solitaire. Of course. Yep. Okay. Okay. One and one. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four Privet Drive. <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Which was the American title because apparently we're too dumb for the European exactly. title. Exactly. 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 Yeah. They're like, oh, Americans aren't going to know anything about alchemy. <laughs> philosophers so. okay okay here's on. one for you he was an old man who fished alone in a skiff in the gulf stream and he had gone 84 days now without taking a fish the old man in the sea <laughs> i would have gotten that one too. Yeah, uh, yes i know okay. you would have gotten that one okay i'll try to give you a turn andy okay no, no. okay good. andy this one's for you i think you i think that jesse probably can get this one too if you really want to hear about it, the first thing you'll probably want to know is where I was born and what my lousy childhood was like and how my parents were occupied and all before they had me and all that David Copperfield kind of crap. But I don't feel like going into it if you want to know the truth. Do you know it? Oh, Catcher in the Rye. Yes! Yes, good job. See, Save you guys. You see, see I'm, I'm, I'm helping you out. Next time there's a trivia contest, contest I want Andy on my <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, so here's one. Now, this one is probably going to be a little hard. I, I mean, you know, but this is the line. 124 was spiteful. I don't know if I would have been able to get this one either. Does it sound familiar at all? All I can think of a Hitchhiker's, Hitchhiker's Guide, Guide to, to the, the Galaxy. It's actually Beloved Interesting. by Tony, uh, Tony Morrison. Yeah, I've actually read that. I know, I, I wouldn't have that. probably guessed that one either. Okay, here's another one. In my younger and more vulnerable years, my father gave me some advice that I've been turning over in my mind ever since. Whenever you feel like criticizing anyone, he told me, just remember that all the people in the world haven't had the advantages that you've had. Think of advantages as kind of a key word. With, uh, what's some other clues I could give you? Hmm. Someone at home is shouting this at us. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> your silence here. Uh, okay, one of the one of the characters in the book is named Daisy. Oh, is that the Great Gatsby? Yes. Yep, that makes sense now. Okay, here's one. All my children, 
except one, or all children except one grow up. Mm, think of radio uh, silence. Think again. of growing up or not growing up, and who? Is that a prayer for Owen Meany? No, but think of well, staying y- staying young. Peter Pan? Yes. Oh, that was just yes. a guess. Total stuff. Yes. Good job, Jesse. That. <laughs> that was good. Okay, good I'm going to give you one more. All right. By it, what's his name? M. Barry. What was his yes, name? Yes, J.M. J.M. Barry. Close enough. I, sh- I guess I should have uh, reminded listeners of that. Okay. It was a queer, sultry summer, the summer day they electrocuted the Rosenbergs, and I didn't know what I was doing in New York. That is familiar. Yeah. Tree, this, gr- tree grows in Brooklyn? No, but no. this author is a poet and a prose. She, or they have done both poetry and prose, mostly poetry. This really was their kind of more famous but prose uh, fiction. And they unfortunately did not live a full life because they led themselves to end their life. Oh, well, I'm guessing Sylvia Plath. Good job. Oh, and what's the book? I do, I what's the that, book, Andy? The, the Bell Jar? Yes. The Bell Jar. Oh, yeah. see, I wouldn't. That was just another guess for me. Interesting. <laughs> Thank you for the kind wow. clues. Yes, of course. Well, well, that is a fun game. I thought that would be fun for you. And uh, you probably don't like this put on the spot kind of thing, but. Oh, I don't mind. <laughs> All right, so good good job. Thanks. We should turn fun. the tables here. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, the, is there a the, line you the could exact line? But it's something to the effect of some at the worst day of my life is when the mailman's truck ran over my head. I do know. Oh, that I one. Yeah. love that one. <laughs> the, the miracle um, life of Edward Edward Mint. Yes, by Brady Udall. Yeah, yeah. I wish that Brady is would write a more. Brilliant first line. It's it so really is instantly hooked. You know, one of, I'm going to just say this one because I don't know if, if this would be a book you both, either one of you have read, but it's a book called Geek Love. I love Catherine mm. Dunn. I, oh. used to, I used to wait on her in Portland. Really? Yeah, she came okay. to my cafe all the time. She was a wacky woman. I loved her. So here, and this will be the last one, here is the, the first line of Geek Love. When your mama was a geek, my dreamlets Papa would say she made the nipping off of noggins such a crystal mystery <laughs> that the hens themselves yearned toward her, waltzing around her, hypnotized with longing. <laughs> Brilliant. First line of Geek Love, which is just an amazing, really interesting, is. bizarre what, story. What was her favorite dish that she had ordered? She drank black coffee and chain smoked. Okay. That's what she did at my restaurant. I don't remember her eating. She may have, but that's just... A was she writing at the same black time? Co- no, she was visiting and talking a million miles an hour with her friend. She would wear tacky sandals with mismatched, colorful <laughs> socks. And I just thought she, she didn't care what anybody thought of her. And she was so cool. Wow. I, <laughs> I love it. It was really hard not to fawn. I was a little too <laughs> in, in awe of her to, to ever chat, except to like just tell her, Love, 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 geek love. <laughs> I remember growing up, she used to read uh, on the community radio station in Portland, KBOO. Mm. It was called Red Rider. She called herself Red Rider, and she would read for half an hour or an hour short stories. And I would tune wow. in every Saturday morning as a kid. I heard uh, Kafka's 
the metamorphosis oh, so she just as, at the age of 10 and it That's chills amazing. me to the bone i remember she oh Bradbury she introduced me to so many oh that's so incredible. many authors that I probably wouldn't have stumbled across at that age wow and then later to find out that's who she was mm-hmm. and that she wrote this book I really love there's Deep my love. Catherine Dunn story. I love it I'm so glad you had a story about that it, it was kind of random to bring her in uh, just for the listeners to know um, first of all we are Radio Book Club aka Hardback Radio on KZMU every first Monday of the month at 5 and also over the weekend a little uh, comic book called Choreomania showed up at the bookstore readily available there and this is actually the little the comic book that is in that's paired with the radio play Choreomania that has played a couple times I think they're done playing it over at the air but this comic book is, if you get a copy and then sort of listen and, and kind of pair those together, I think it might be kind of fun. It's really but, well done. Jonathan Gottschalk uh-huh. is a phenomenal artist. I loved his poster art for the previous cool. one, Wormhole. And uh, the library just bought a copy today of uh, Choreomania. Of the, Choreomania. The novel. Yeah. 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 So that's it's there. New, it's a comic a book. One. And that's, that was a great idea. Really smart. So... Let's kind of wind our way toward bestsellers as a, we can kind of stay in there for a little tiny bit here until we get to our fun reviews of what we've been reading. Um, I've got it up here, uh, Jesse. So, you know, uh, again, our, our bestsellers are a collection that indie bestsellers have, you know, put out there every week. And so these are, generally what we're hand selling and uh you know this is the the list that we like to look at and so you know they we're we're dividing them between hardcover fiction hardcover nonfiction of course then paperback fiction non non paperback nonfiction then it goes into mass market bestsellers and children's and uh young adult juvenile Anything, my friends, yes. that you would like to talk about? <laughs> yes. Well, I'd love to hear, uh, Sherry, your quick review on Clara and the Sun. Yes. And I know that's not putting you no, too much you on, the spot on the spot because on we've, we've talked about this. And it, my visceral reaction to your description was pretty interesting that yeah. within like two minutes, I said, oh, that's a book I will never, never read. read. <laughs> and yeah. I on one hand, hated myself for that because it's very myopic and, and blinder. Um, but on the other hand, it it's who I am, I guess. So tell us a little bit more about uh, Clara and the Sun. Yeah, you know, it, and even in that review, it, Clara and the Sun definitely is of the... His book, Never Let Me Go, is is it's similar themed. It's Ishigura. Thank you. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, Ishigura, uh, Katsuo. Katsuo. I think that's how you say his name anyway. And uh, Jesse, did you read Never Let Me Go? I have not read that. So, you know, and it's interesting, your visceral reaction, Andy, because it's the the basically the storyline is that there is an an AI who's sitting in the store and this AI is specifically designed to be the uh, best friend or companion of a younger human, a younger human. 
And so she's, it starts out with her sitting in the store, being on kind of at the window, at the front window, being ready to be bought. And she's solar powered. And so her relationship to the sun becomes quite mythic throughout the book. This is the thing that gives her life. And so she, she ends up getting bought and going home with, uh, to be the best friend or the, um, you know, the, the, the companion of a young girl who, whose name is Josie, and she's sick and, and dying, actually. And so this is told from uh, the, the perspective of Clara and Clara's thoughts and, uh, the, you know, her, her connection to this human child. And she decides that in some way she's going to save this child. And so uh, she starts to call on the sun. And it's it's just interesting kind of, um, you know, evolution into uh, her, her, I guess you'd say emotions. (laughs) And this, the surprises and the things, her limitations, but also uh, what in some way she was programmed to do. And if there was any kind of love connection there, which um, it really is kind of an expose on love and empathy. And so, and, and this is what he does well. He, he takes you into the uh, kind of mind of the AI. And this is number one on the hardback. This back. is number and one it, on it the hardback. it went to the top. Uh, right away. Virtually the week after it was yeah. released. Um, I can imagine it as a film as well. Never Letting Go did become a film. And, uh, you know, there's something to me about getting into the narration of this, uh, this particular AI mind. And then, and he does this in both of the um, books, the AI starts to discover what they are. So as we get closer (laughs) and closer to artificial intelligence being an everyday thing, does a book like this uh, become science fiction or fiction? That's Spe- speculative fiction. Speculative, exactly. And and really, in some ways, he has divided genre in that way because he also wrote Remains of the Day. Right. You know, and which was kind of a classic British tale about a butler who also was the other. And I would say that that's really what he does well it, it's sort of that 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 person on the fringe i guess you'd say uh-huh. the yeah. ai being way over on the fringe so that's yeah. an interesting that brings up a question i was going to bring up in regards to another book is what is it that makes a book literary fiction mm. because a literary fiction can cross any genre it can be of any genre science fiction speculative fiction drama whatever um but That's a very good question. It? Do I we would know? Consider him literary fiction. Yeah. But what quality is it that makes a book literary fiction? Do, does anyone know the criteria there? I haven't looked it up because I was interested in hearing what you guys had to say. I think that's a great question. Andy, what do you think? I think I know it when I read it. Right. Uh, yeah, you know, that's, that's like pornography. Say, like pornography. <laughs> um, I can't define it, but I yeah. know it when I see it. Boy, a, a good writer, a, a person who is literary in their writing mm-hmm. is decidedly different than, than pop fiction, which yeah. gets pumped out every day in, in multitudes. Um, but could I define it? I'm not really sure I could could uh 
but there are a certain handful of authors that you always know it's going to just be this masterpiece. Yep. And they usually come six to eight years apart. And it's, yeah, it's just a different feel and it's a different, I chew on those. I take my Mm -hmm. time and really enjoy them versus the, the more popular writing Mm -hmm. that, um, I couldn't tell you the next day what it was about. Yeah. Because yeah. I just blew through it. It's a different way of, for for me, different way of reading even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like you said, Jesse, it's cross a genre. It's all, it's every genre you could have. Like I was thinking, just maybe think about a literary mystery. You know, who's writing that kind of goes into a more, do you have the book? Should we segue there? Yeah, do you want yeah. to talk more about Clara and the Sun? By no, Ishiguro? I'm good there. And I think we should, I'm, I might, if there's nothing else in the bestsellers, is there anything else that uh, we feel strongly about talking about? Not really, not really. The bestsellers are moving, yeah. moving along. Um, there's some, yeah, not a lot of new stuff up there, except for the Ishiguro. Yeah. And a couple new items. And, anyway. Andy, anything else there that makes... I actually haven't read Nomad Land, but I mm. <laughs> I did just list or watch the, the film. Mm-hmm. Wanted to see Frances McDormand in that. Mm-hmm. I do want to go back and read it. Did either one of you read Nomad Land? Mm-hmm. Uh, the film's incredible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is just that kind of that group of seniors, actually, this is what the story is about, who uh, just, they don't have enough money to retire. Well, they're, they're retiring, they've got their social security, but they're heading out and doing these seasonal jobs from living out of RVs, living out of their RVs, and then kind of meeting up in places like Quartzsite, Arizona, um, and doing the beats in I can't remember where that was, but uh, the Amazon in Texas. Anyway, I think that should be a good read for anybody. And, of course, Dune is number one still (laughs) on mass market bestsellers. Mm. And uh, Octavia Butler is on the fiction. So in just a minute, I want to talk about, I read another Butler, Octavia Butler book this this last month and wanted to talk about that. But let's head into some literary mystery review with jesse well i don't know if this is technically literary fiction but i thought that there were parts in it that were so thoughtful um and intelligent that and and some of the writing itself was really beautiful the book i'm talking about is uh it's a mystery it's called before the ruins by victoria gosling i believe this is her debut novel um i I think that anybody that enjoyed like Donna Tartt's The Secret History would really like this. It's definitely in that vein. Um, when her friend Peter goes missing, Andy digs up long buried secrets from their teenage years in England to find him. It uh, takes place in 96. The, these are the teenagers back um, when the story starts. And these four friends have been hanging out at this abandoned mansion. Um, uh, and uh, a manor, sorry, English manor. It's this abandoned, kind of dilapidated English manor, and they they meet up there and play this game 
There used to be a mystery many, many, many years before they were around where a diamond necklace had been stolen and gone missing and was suspected to be hidden somewhere on the grounds of this manor. So they start playing a game where they bought a fake diamond necklace at a thrift shop and start hiding it and playing this game where everybody else tries to find it. And there's all sorts of other intrigue. And as an adult, one of these friends goes missing and Andy, one of the, the female protagonist, she is searching for her friend Peter and we're unpacking her whole teenage life with these friends. That's the setup, and there is interest, uh, interesting murder and, <laughs> and things. But um, I'll read you just a short passage. She's looking back at how her teenage years shaped who she is today. And um, she had a very rough childhood. Her mother had different boyfriends, the last of whom was extremely dangerous and abusive to both of them. And he went missing. Nobody ever knew what happened to him. That figures into the story later, too. But she's talking about anger and how her, her anger as a young person fueled her creatively. And how when she got rid of her anger by, you know, by being a very controlled, strict adult, she lost her joy, too. And I thought that was a really profound thought. I'll read you the couple of sentences. She said... <clears throat> I lay down on the bed, but I couldn't sleep. I was burning. The anger was like petrol, and I lay there sipping on it, fueling the fire so that it grew, obliterating the hurt. Long ago, I had felt like this almost all of the time. Anger had been my daily bread, but I had been capable of joy too. When I shut one out, I had excluded the other. So mm. the, that was really, I thought that was pretty pretty well done. And, and the book is... Um, got some got some really good ruminations on this, and so I wondered, is this considered literary fiction? What does that mean? Now there are a couple of uh, observations she makes that I kind of thought fell flat as well. So it's not it's not a perfect book, but it's very interesting um, as far as the you know the mystery and story that worked just fine for me, and I appreciated her writing. Mm. There were quite a few passages in there that. Um, that I enjoyed. And again, that is called Before the Ruins by Victoria Gosling. Excellent. Yeah. Sarah Thank Waters you. is one of the authors that plugged it on Ooh, the front. If that's that tells good, you anything, that's a good there's, more, there's more <laughs> literary fiction in the mystery that's absolutely right. and suspense genre. Excellent. I would I would throw in that literary mysteries is one of those subgenres that when we're shelving books, we have to ask ourselves, does this go in literature? Yes. Does it go in mystery? Yes. And that's and a, we talked mm. about Shadow of the Wind a couple of weeks ago. Oh my gosh! And that's a a true mystery. It's a whodunit. And it's also fantasy. And yet it's it's yeah. definitely in our literature section. Yeah. I would never have thought about putting it Actually, in mystery. We put Shadow of the Wind in uh in in fantasy in fantasy science fiction fantasy. That's a stretch. I don't think so. Now, the um, Cemetery of Forgotten Books, oh, wait. you could say, is a little bit mystical. but Wait, no, yeah. I might be thinking place. of... Th who's the author, Shadow of the Wind? Uh, Carlos Ruiz Zafon. Okay, maybe I'm thinking of... Isn't that a... There's a... There are three. Dual, three? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. The Very Angels interesting. Game and the... But uh, that's the point. Yeah, yeah exactly. They, these get shelved. Umberto exactly. Echo's Name of the Rose. Right. Excellent example. Again, it's a murder, and, and there's a lot of mystery going on, but we would never post it in a mystery section, mm -hmm. I don't think. 
And some of the English writers who write mysteries, I find their work to be much more literary. Yes, Agatha Christie, for sure. Yeah, and even uh, J.K. Rowling, when yes. she stepped out of her, mm-hmm. her young and went to her pseudonym. And like P.D. James, even. P.D. James, yeah. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah. So it's, um, yeah, you know it when you see it. I actually do mm-hmm. think Gillian Flynn has, she's just sort of heads up there a little bit, too. I mean, I think that's why I like her, her stuff. Mm-hmm. Andy, what are you excited about over there? Well, let's talk about a piece of fiction, because I've been reading so little of it uh, recently. It just has not been a genre that I've been wanting to read. But um, I think I had read a review in the New York Times for the Vietri project and asked Sherry to bring it into the store by Nicola de Robertus Thay. And because the reason I was so taken by it is that it opens up with a bookseller selling books to this enigmatic, mysterious person in Rome, Italy. And I immediately thought of 84 Sharing Cross Road, which is a, uh, a novel in letters between a bookseller in America, the buyer in America, and a bookseller in England on 84 Sharing Cross Road. Turned out to be this very tender, loving uh, book. This ain't that. But <laughs> it was a hook. This was a young 25-year-old bookseller who gets a job in a, a uh, kind of a technical bookstore in Berkeley, California, and she immediately gets assigned the Vietri Project and this is something that no one wants to do in the store because it's this long list seemingly every week from Italy of all these very obscure textbooks that this gentleman is requesting. So the the young protagonist, uh, Gabriella, is going through a, a crisis in her personal life and decides, you know, screw it. I'm leaving my boyfriend who desperately wants to marry me and mm-hmm. I'm going to Rome which is where her mother grew up. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to track down Giordano Vietri and find out what the story is. And this story turns out to be multi-layered, multi-faceted. We end up deep in the, the bowels of uh, Gabriella's family and her mother's schizophrenia. We find a lot about World War II and Italy's involvement in genocide in Northern Africa. We find this manuscript that's left behind, perhaps for Gabriella to find, written in, uh, what language was it? One of the Northern African languages. So it turns out to be this very deeply layered enigmatic mystery. And I'm not going to tell you whether she (laughs) discovers Vietri or not, but halfway through it, I had mentioned to Sherry, I'm not, this is, yeah. But I, all of a sudden, it grabbed me, and it turned out to be a fascinating novel, and I loved it. Mm, uh, wow. The Vietri Project by Nicola Di Robertis Thay. Nice. Well, there's been a couple of books that I've gotten very angry at. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of those was Love in the Time of Cholera. Oh, that's one of my favorites. Yeah, I li- I, I, I liked it a lot. But about I, literary. I finished, yes. I finished, I have this whole thing where I remember where I finish books, you know, and, mm. and there's always a book when you're traveling or whatever, you know, I remember I finished The Prayer for Own Meaning on this little 
um, train platform in, in Taiwan, and I had mm. to sit there until I finished it. And mm. I finished um, Love in the Time of Cholera in a an airplane on the tarmac. And I remember distinctly wanting to throw the book down the aisle. <laughs> and and now I think what was so, what happened there that I, you know, had that much anger. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go back and read it. But uh, Octavia Butler's Wild Seed that I read this uh, actually about a week ago did the same thing. And this is pretty rare. And so I thought, should I review it? You know, because... Would I really want all those f- listeners out there to read it? And in some ways I do, just because it, it did trigger a lot of emotion for me. Uh, Wild Seed is part of what's called the Patternist series. Uh, again, we know Octavia Butler to be a uh, science fiction fantasy writer, uh, grew up in Pasadena, Andy, do you remember hearing about her at all? You grew up in Pasadena, right? I grew up outside of Pasadena, yeah, but no, ever, she was not on the ra- she, she wasn't, wasn't on, on the, the radar. radar of many people. No, she wasn't uh, for a young black science fiction exactly. writer. Exactly. Uh, yeah. It, posthumously is how she's become famous. Yes. Sadly. And this story starts in 1609, and it's the story of two immortals. One who uh, lives, well, they're, they're both from Africa, but the one, uh, he, he's been living for a very, very long time. And he meets up with this woman who's been living about, oh, two, three hundred years. She's a shapeshifter, and he is, essentially, he can take people's bodies. He, he can move into different bodies, and that's how he survives. And they end up uh, getting on a boat and crossing, going to America, actually. And uh, the, the, the male character is trying, he's, he's basically kind of in doing this breeding program and, and wanting people, he's basically wanting to find a way to get someone like him, you know, another immortal. And it, it's essentially their relationship as they go through many, many, many years together. And she, the, the writing is exquisite. The way in which she brings, um, especially the uh, female character, um, she can, tra- can shapeshift into anything. And she has her shifting into birds and dolphins and, and the way she describes that experience it is it's incredible. Uh, but the relationship between these two was fraught. And um, the, the male character was just super uh, controlling and patronizing and um, just commanding, basically. And by the end, it's supposed to be this love story. And I just didn't want them at all. Mm. I didn't want her. It felt like she had to submit to this person mm. and, and which in some way she did at the end there. Uh, but again, I, I wasn't sure whether to it, her, the writing's just so good. And I know that Viola Davis has optioned this as a film. And so it'll be on people's radars. And if anything, read it to just see, first of all, there's a lot of gender, um, you know, they can switch genders. Hmm. So she can shape fit, shift into a man or back into a woman. He can take the woman of a body or a man. So they end up crossing roles the whole time. Like they can, 
One's a man at one point and one's a woman. And that's really quite interesting. Um, but I'd say uh, if you like her, pick it up and see what you think. I think that's probably what I'd say at the end there. <laughs> Jesse, what are you going to bring up next? Well, this is not a new book. Um, a patron a few weeks ago at the library requested that I buy a couple of books by Dorothy B. Hughes. I had not heard of her and looked her up. Really good review. She's been reprinted um, as recently as 2012. And uh, the reviews made me very curious. Then um, after this patron got to read the couple of books that I bought, I took one of the books home. The book and read it. In the book, The Expendable Man by Dorothy B. Hughes, I'm about, oh, right about halfway through with it. Um, she is a crime writer. She predates she predates Jim Thompson. She predates Patricia Highsmith, Ruth Rendell, all of these other masters of psychological suspense. She was writing way before then. And um, she, and, and as a woman crime, crime fiction writer at that time in the 60s, that was quite, quite something, I believe. So this book, I really debated hard about how to talk about this without spoiling this effect <laughs> for, uh, for other readers. There is a thing that happens about page 50 <laughs> that completely flips the whole narrative, gives you a completely different perspective on what's going on. She did it so expertly. I didn't suspect anything hmm. like that until all of a sudden one sentence drops and you're just like, wait, what? Back up. Oh, <laughs> then you go that back. That explains a lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, I thought about just saying spoiler alert out there, plug your ears for a minute, but I'll, I'll keep, I'll keep it. Um, I'll keep it mysterious for you. I like that. Here is what <laughs> one reviewer said about this book. You are rocked back by Miss Hughes some 50 pages into her story, and I can certify that the effect is truly rocking. You even read past the vital word, just one word in a sentence of swift dialogue before you realize what it has said and what a new and different light it casts on everything you have read up to that moment. Ooh, it, love it. And it was quite an effect. I, <laughs> I put the book down and sat up straight and rethought everything and then carried on devouring this book the first sentence of this book says it was surprising what old experiences remembered could do to a presumably educated civilized man hmm. and hugh dennis moore a young doctor driving his mother's cadillac from los angeles to phoenix is eminently educated and civilized he is privileged would seem to have the world at his feet even then why does the sight of a few redneck teenagers disconcert him why is he reluctant to pick up a disheveled girl hitchhiking along the desert highway? And why is he the first person the police suspect when she is found dead in Arizona a few days later? Dorothy B. Hughes ranks with Raymond Chandler, Patricia Highsmith, as a master of mid-century noir. She's written other books, more famous, I think, even than this one, In a Lonely Place is one of them. Ride the Pink Horse was, um, was one of them. And this book I'm reading now is called The Expendable Man. I highly recommend it um, for anyone, uh, you know, and not, you know, of course, crime fiction aficionados or people that like suspense or definitely sort of sort of noir writing. Um, I am super intrigued and cannot wait to get back to this book, The Expendable <laughs> Man by Dorothy B. Hughes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Andy, what do you have over there? 
I just need to say before I go into this next book that the opinions and statements heard on this program are those of the presenter and do not necessarily reflect <laughs> the management or those of the trustees of KZMU. If you have a differing viewpoint, please call the radio station at 259-5968. Well done. I think he's done this a time or two. The next book is Fulfillment, Winning and Losing in One Click America by mm. Alec McGillis. And this has been getting a lot of press uh, recently. And it's not at all what I expected. Hmm. Um, being a bookseller, I am intrinsically threatened by Amazon and, and all it stands for. Uh, I, I don't take kindly to anyone threatening my livelihood. And yet I understand the marketplace and I understand we need to adapt. But this is not an expose at all. Um, it is a very deep look into the people of Amazon, both writ small and writ large. For instance, McGillis goes into the changes that have taken place in, in Seattle and the changes that have taken place since they announced their second headquarters uh, back east in where did it land in Virginia, I think, or Maryland. He also details individual people, real people's lives, and how uh, Amazon has affected them, uh, usually for the worse. These are the people who are working in these warehouses, uh, these massive, massive warehouses that Amazon's setting up all over the country, all over the world, in order so you can have that one click and get that something uh, literally the next day. And there are a lot of costs involved in this type of economy. Uh, I say it's not an expose because I think he's done his research. One of the, the points that he brought up is that Bezos, Jeff Bezos's net worth within the first two months of the pandemic, April and May of 2020, his net worth rose by $24 billion dollars with a B. Wow. $24 billion. Wow. In two months. In two months. And wow. yeah, we as a country were afraid. We we didn't want to go to stores. We didn't want to go anywhere. Yeah. And so we started this. this. We're moving further into the one-click economy. And yet it's so pervasive hmm. of Amazon's reach into today's society that no human in America does not fill the coffers, whether it's through their web services or through their buying or whether it's through their third party, um, what's that called, the marketplace in which sellers all over the country sell via the Amazon platform and yet they continually have their margins slashed. Their famous stories of someone coming up with a product to sell in the marketplace and doing very, very successfully and all of a sudden, Amazon starts selling a similar product. Mm -hmm. um, so they're good examples of those examples in the book. It talks about, deals with the safety in the workplace an awful lot and how Amazon's OSHA uh, penalties are much, much higher than uh, comparable-sized warehouses. And there's apocryphal stories of how Drivers have to pee in a cup because they're not allowed to make a stop. Or it's, yeah. And um, I, all I wish for is that people would think about 
and it's not books because Amazon sells literally everything. everything. Yeah. And I just hope people think about what the effects are of such a behemoth company and why the antitrust uh, lawyers haven't gotten a hold of this yet. I'm not sure. I could go on. I don't want to. Mm -hmm. But um, it is an eye-opening book. It's called Fulfillment, Winning and Losing in One-Click America by Alec McGillis. Mm. Well, we're coming down the wire here. Let's call this next round the lightning round. (laughs) (laughs) We can all get one more book in, hopefully. And I'll start with Haruki Murakami's latest set of short stories called First Person Singular. And every single one of these stories are told from first person. This is classic Murakami. It's, and what's great is you can, you know, in a few pages, <laughs> get an entire, you know, download of Murakami, like mm. in five or six pages. And, yeah. you know, he, he's able to do that. And also what's kind of unique about this is um, the, they're told in first person from memories of youth, meditations on music, baseball, dreamlike scenarios, but the narrator may or may not be Murakami. So this collection blurs the lines between fiction and memoir. Basically, there are stories in here that are his stories, that are him, that have memoir, you know. And, of course, we a lot of authors, of course, throw that autobi- that biography in. But uh, there is a lot of blurring in, in that sense. And if you're just ready for some quick espresso shots of Murakami. This is mm. the book, nice. especially if you've been craving that kind of Murakami style, which is always exciting in its uh, magical, realistic sort of way. All right, Jesse, hit, hit us okay, with a good one. lightning round. It has been quite a bit minute since I've read this book, but I do want to recommend um, Nnedi Okorafor. She is a... Um, science fiction and speculative fiction writer who's come up on the scene in the last 10 years or so. She's done um, this particular book is a very slim book. It's I'd call it a novella almost. It's called Remote Control, which is <clears throat> a slightly re- misleading title. It's kind of more uh, magical realism, mm. let's call it, than sci-fi or fantasy. Um, it is about a little girl named Sankofa. <clears throat> when she was young, she lives in a little village in Ghana, and when she was young, she was sitting up in her favorite tree, and something fell out of the sky and into the ground, and later it worked its way up and sort of presented itself to her, and it was this box with a seed in it that was uh, had magical properties, and it turned her into a what they call her death's daughter. And um, it turns, she has horrible killing powers and uh, she starts to glow and gets really hot. And then everybody around her can die. Well, she eventually, she accidentally kills her village, her family in her village before she realizes her power. She gets adopted. She sort of has a familiar. It's a little, a little red fox companion that follows her everywhere she goes she has to leave and she wanders and wanders and wanders and she's searching her seed gets taken away from her at some point her powers don't go away but she is searching for her seed 
and the man that stole it and the man that he sold it to. And um, she's learned to control her powers, as I said, but everyone everywhere she goes recognizes her for what she is and they know to take really good care of her. Uh, anyway, that's the setup and I really recommend it. It's called Remote Control by Nettie Okorafor. Excellent. Um, and I would recommend exploring her other writings as well. Cool. I'm going to throw two at you okay. because I can. No problem. And these are both periodicals. Excellent. Um, the r- number one on my list is Orion, uh, People in Nature. This has been one of my favorite magazines for years and years and years, in part because it's where I discover great natural history writing, both from the, the canon, whether it's uh, Wendell Berry or Barry Lopez or Terry Tempest Williams, to the new writer's of today, Isaac Ewan, uh, Mira Submaranian, uh, Jennifer Sweat. There's a great article in the last issue that is Head in the Clouds, uh, Rachel Carson and Nikki McClure, who's the great mm. paper artist. Love it. Uh, they just do intelligent work. They do poetry and natural history. And secondly is a new magazine to my uh awareness it's called the gulch where the mountains meet the desert and it's published out of durango colorado and i opened up the latest issue and right at the front is an article titled off the map and if you know me you know i love maps and this is an article by max owens all about mapping the american southwest Mm. it just doesn't get any better nice amazing Well, my friends, I think we've come to the end of our Monday evening rainbow book club. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been Radio Book Club on KZMU, a.k.a. Hardback Radio. I just want to remind everyone that you can, this show will be archived for two weeks, and you can go to kzmu.org, get on the program tab, program schedule, and find us and find the books. It'll be forever archived at kzmu.org. Go to Public Affairs and then to Radio Book Club or find us on podcast, Apple Products or Spotify. Look for Public Affairs on KZMU. Also, the library will post a list and Back of Beyond will also be posted. We post our list on bookshop.org and you can find that on our website at Back of Beyond books.com and then the library is um on our quick link let's see on the front page boblibrary.org quick links and then from there find a good book good okay cool find a good book all right thank you everyone this was fun and we'll see you next month (laughs) and everyone take care out there good night and happy reading good night